0: Romans chapter 5 today for our subject. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be reading this Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 12, but I just want to go right to one verse. And then we're going to back up and read Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, and we want to look at verse 19. Romans chapter 5, and verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one man shall many be made righteous. So we are talking about the revelation of one man's obedience. See that with me? The revelation of one man obedience. Now you got to understand something. Only one man obeyed God. In all of the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, only one man obeyed God. God had to come here himself and keep his own word, And because of his obedience, you have obtained salvation. Now watch how it sounds when you hear somebody say, oh yeah, I was saved because I was water baptized in Jesus' name. Now the Lord, knows he's the only one who obeyed the whole old covenant for you to be saved. Let Let me read this out of the NLT. We're going to start reading that out of NLT, but we're going to start reading with verse 12. Uh, We're going to go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I got my NLT today. Uh, We're going to start reading that. Romans chapter 5. Last week I read out the good news, which I like reading out of, but the NLT kind of spoiled me. Romans chapter 5. Sometimes I run into something that I don't agree with, but Romans chapter 5. Now I want to read this uh, start with verse number 12. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start reading verse 12. We're reading out the NLT. You'll follow me on the screen, okay? If you don't have NLT, it's all right. Uh, Romans chapter 5. We're going to start reading verse 12. When Adam sinned, now remember we're talking about the obedience of one man. And we're going to show you this one man did not want to do what he did. He had to bring his soul in subjection. Because remember when I told you this morning, Isaiah chapter 53, and we're going to look at that later on, verse 10, 11, and 12. He made his soul an offering for sin. Now, just tell you, I'm showing you how you would say God had to come here, put on flesh so he can have a soul, so he could die. So through him doing that, he can make his soul an offering for your sin. And yet people say, I was saved by different ways. Only one man saved you. So you need to receive what he has done, else your soul will burn in hell. That that is, that is, it's not hot. Like the woman said, it's not complicated. All right, Romans chapter 5. I'm reading out the good news. I'm NLT, I'm sorry. When Adam sinned, comma, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Now, everyone has sinned. Yes, people, sin even became the law. I'm sorry. Yes, people sin even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin before there was not a law to break. It's just like about those stop signs out there. You don't want to run them because if you run those stop signs, you break the law. All right. All right, so let's, let's move on. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 14 says, Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who, died, who did not obey an explicit compromise, commandment of God. They did not obey God's commandment, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol of a a representative of Christ, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But there's a difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Now, that's what he's going to compare in this whole chapter, Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Say that with me. Adam's sin, Adam's sin and, God's and God's gracious gift. God's gracious right, so you're going to have to see. That is what he's comparing, always how Paul taught. He compares spiritual things with spiritual things. So he's going to take what Adam did and show you what Christ did. Adam got you in sin. Christ got you out of sin. All right. That's what he's showing you. All right, That's Romans chapter 5. we in verse number uh, 15 again. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For sin of this one man see that? It was sin by one man. You did not become a sinner because of what you did. You became a sinner because what Adam did. All right. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. The sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Matter of fact, brought death to all. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. I'm reading it because he's going to tell you this gift that God gave you was a gift of forgiveness. So you didn't do anything. You didn't get baptized in water in Jesus name to be forgiven. God forgave you on the cross. And I'm going to show you in the word. And plus, everybody knows what he said on the cross. Father, forgive them. Plain and simple. And yet, people tell you, you get baptized in water in Jesus' name and get forgiveness of sin. You can't get forgiveness of sin. It's already happened 2,000 years ago. All right, let's move on. Once again, verse 15. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. See, King James used the word gift of righteousness, which righteousness and forgiveness is interchangeable. For to many, through this one man, Jesus Christ, and the result of God's gracious gift, is very difficult for the result of that one man's sin. Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift, now he calls it a free gift, which is God's righteousness and God's forgiveness, it's a free gift. This free gift led our being made right with God. That's how God made us right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Not he called it the gift of righteousness. For all who do one thing, receive it. And you receive by believing We'll live in triumph over sin. When you receive Christ, you you receive his forgiveness. You receive his grace. You will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation. That's what he brought us to everyone. But Christ, one act of righteousness or act of obedience... See, the same word righteousness is obedience. So when you say because of your righteousness, he the word said there's none righteous, no, not one. So when you say your obedience, you say your righteousness, you can't be saved by your act, by your act of what you have done. Now he says, but Christ, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. So he's telling you how man became a sinner. Because Adam disobeyed God. It was really through his wife Eve, but both were called Adam. That's why he said that. All right. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many was made righteous. You made righteous when you receive it. That's what he means. God's law will give. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. That's why the law was given, because nobody could keep it. So the law showed man how sinful he was. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can we give him a great big hand of praise for that? Thank God, for, thank God for that one act, one act of righteousness. Praise the Lord for that. All right, now let's go, let's go into the word of God. So we're going to talk about the revelation of one man's obedience. That word uh, uh, means subjection. See, when you, when you obey, you're, subject, you're, you're subjected or you're submitted to the will of God. And only one person could submit themselves to the will of God. That's why Israel wasn't why saved. Romans 10 and 1, let me show it to you while you're there. See, that's why Israel was not saved. And people are trying to be saved by doing something. You can't be saved by nothing you do. Amen. You can only receive salvation. Salvation is, you don't do anything today to be saved. You can only receive what Christ did 2,000 years ago. If I could just write that down in a book, man. Uh, Romans chapter 10. Watch this here in verse number one. We're reading out the King James. Brethren, Paul says, my heart, desire, and prayer for God. To God for Israel is this is what he prayed for that they might be saved. We're talking about the nation of Israel in the days of the Apostle Paul, two thousand years ago. Paul I bear them record that they have a zeal of God; they are very zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. They be ignorant of God's righteousness. Remember, God's righteousness is God's forgiveness. God's righteousness is God's love. So when you look at the cross, you see a picture. Matter of fact, I put it behind me now. We got one back there. God's love. That's all it is. God's righteousness is God's love. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. It's God's forgiveness. It's what God has done for you. And the only thing you can do is receive it. They have been ignorant of God's righteousness, watch this, going about to establish their own righteousness. That's what Israel did going about to establish their own righteousness and have not yet submitted. There that it would is. See, that word submitted is the same word as subjection, submitting to one's control. They have not yet submitted to the will of God, to the authority of God. They did the same thing. All you can do is submit yourself to what God's already done. They did not submit themselves to God's righteousness. That's what they didn't do christ the next verse christ is the end of the law for righteousness nobody else can be righteous because of what they do christ is the end of righteousness to everyone that believe ain't that right say so christ, christ is the end of the law, the end of the law. for righteousness, for righteousness. <coughs> so you can't be righteous Of doing anything anymore. All right, you have to believe now. All right, now with that with that in mind, we're gonna go. Now let's go to the Gospel of Saint John, chapter eleven. The Gospel of John, chapter number eleven. The Gospel of John, chapter number eleven. In John chapter eleven, we're gonna go to verse forty-six. We're going to read that down to verse 53. Our key verse is going to be verse 50. Because I want to show you, this is why you have to understand Jonah. That's why I'm going to show, take you back to Jonah. Because this is how they got this verse from Jonah chapter 1. We're going to go back there. In the Gospel of St. John chapter 11 and verse 46. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told what thing Jesus had done. Well, what Jesus had just done, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. So people was watching Jesus all the time. So everything he would do, something they'd run tell the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But some of them went and told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. Then they gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man does many miracles. Sure he did. Still do. If we let him alone. Watch what he says. If we let him alone. All men will believe on him. See that's what I'm saying. People don't realize. People believe if you leave him alone. That's what, that's what he said. If we leave this man alone. Just let him hear the word. Everybody believe. So you have to understand, the only reason people don't believe is people don't leave them alone. See, that could be going on in your house. You wonder why people ain't saved in your house? Leave them alone. You just need to live the life before them. And they'll see your good work. That's what Christ told you to do. He said, let your life so shine. That's what he told Israel. Let your light be shine before them. Let people see you live. Let them see Christ in you. Hallelujah. All right, watch this. In verse number 49, I'm sorry, 48, if we let him alone, all men will believe on him. I like that. And then the next thing going to happen is not just all men going to believe on him, then the Romans are going to come. And take away our temple. That what I place there is our temple. They're going to come and destroy our temple and, take our, and destroy our nation. That's what he says in, in other versions. They're going to come and destroy our temple and destroy, the, and destroy our nation. If we let this man alone. See, we need to just turn this man over to the Lord and get the Romans off our back. Turn these men over to the Romans and get, the, and get them off our back. Because that's why, that's why everything is stirred up around here, that man right there. We let him alone. All these folk on trying to God. Watch what he says. And verse number 50. I'm sorry, 49. And one of them named Caiaphas, which was a high priest, that same year said to them, you know nothing at all. Let me tell you what the word says. You don't consider that it is expedient for us that one man, somebody say one man. One man. Yeah, one man should die for the people. You got to understand that. One man shall die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. It's already in the Bible. Caiaphas was a a high priest. One man going to die for us and we're not going to have to die. But one man going to have to die for us. So we're going to have to turn him over to the people. We're going to have to capture this man and we're going to have to turn him over to the Romans and let them kill him. And then they'll leave us alone. That's how it worked. One man. But they, they realized it was going to, it, it, I'm telling you, God had it already prepared. They didn't realize they were doing the will of God when they killed the one man. Hallelujah. If they had or no. All right. And this spake he of himself, being the high priest that year, the Bible says he prophesied. That Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forward, they took counsel together how they would put him to death. So now they got it they together. We got we to kill him. We got to find him. We got to catch him doing something. We can't find nothing in him, but we got to catch. That's, see, this is the story of Daniel. Same thing. The only way they could get Daniel, they had to get something on him. And the only thing they could get on him was he's a praying man. The man prayed three times a day. So we got to find something on him. The king made a decree that you can't be praying. That's how we get him. <laughs> and they know Daniel going to pray. So we got him. And let's put him in the lounge. then. We know we got him now. No, nah, that's a type of christ death, bearing resurrection. So when they put him in the lounge then, guess what? The man came the next morning and said, move that stone from the door. Daniel, Daniel, is your God able? Live forever, O King. The God we serve is able. Hallelujah. You don't have to come over here whispering. Yeah, he thought Dan, he thought Daniel was gone. Daniel standing up before the lounge. See, that's the type of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Christ went into hell, and they couldn't touch him. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God. See, some of these Psalms that you got in the Word of God, you got to know where they are. Whoo, he may go there next. I feel it coming on. All right. Now, we're going to go down to verse 53. John chapter 11. And verse number 53. Okay, we're we done with that. We, we move right along. All right, now let's go to the book of Jonah. Chapter one. All right. Now you can go to Malachi and back up, or you can go to Daniel. Go forward. Okay, we're going to look at Jonah chapter number 1, and we're going to start reading verse 11. We're going to read that down to verse 17. All this is good, so I'm not going to be able to read it all. You have to do it yourself. Jonah chapter 1. Now, we're going to do King James in verse 11. Now, this is the same thing happened to Christ. See, all of these pictures, uh, that's why one of my favorite verses is, is John chapter 5, verse 39. You want to write that down. We're not going to be able to go to it now. But he says, Search the scripture. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. So when you go back and read Daniel, Daniel's testifying of Christ. He's telling you what they're going to do to Christ. They're going to put him in the hell three days, three nights. He's going to rise from the dead. So that's what the lions were. So when you read Psalm 22, you will see the lions. They gap up on me. All this stuff. The lion, The lion was a type of devil's. That's why Christ was the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Jonah chapter one. Now we're going to see Jonah. Jonah did not want to go and preach. Now we're going to show you why Christ preached to Israel. See, he's a he's type of Jonah. But none of going to repent. And they're going to be saved. But Christ going to preach to Israel and they're not going to be saved. They're going to reject it. So that's how you got to understand how it works. So he's preaching. Jonah went to Nineveh and preached because he knew God was merciful. He knew if I go preaching to him, God going to forgive him. And he wants to see him killed. Now, Nineveh is a type also of Israel. Jonah's a type of Christ. So let's read the story. All right. Then said they unto him, What shall we do to you? Now remember, they are on a ship. Jonah is running from God. Jonah is on a ship going the wrong way. As a matter of fact, he's supposed to be going to Nineveh. He's going the opposite direction. He went and paid his fare, got on a ship, went down to the bottom of the ship, laid down, and went to sleep. And all of a sudden, God says, okay, I'm going to have a, some wind blow. Holy Spirit... I want some wind on that water. And all of a sudden, a storm arose. And they Jonah, fast asleep. And, the, and here it is, the, the ship is tossed, tossed. I mean, they're going to be destroyed. These guys are fishermen. And they realized they got somebody on board. Now, you saw that same thing during the ministry of Jesus Christ, where they were fishing, and he was on board, and he stopped the storm. All right? But watch this here. Now, in Jonah chapter 1, in verse 11, they're going to say now, what, we, what shall we do? The sea, to calm the sea. Now, the sea here is all of the people at that time who wanted to destroy Israel. Rome is the Roman nation, they're going to come. they're going to destroy our city. How are we going to stop this thing? The sea, how do we going to calm the people down? The sea is angry and tempestuous. And he said to them, I'm going to tell you what y'all do. I'm going to show y'all how to stop this stuff. Oh, sleeper, call on your God. I'm going to tell y'all how to stop this storm. You take me, throw me overboard, and your storm going to stop. Oh, so, man, we, we, come on, you talking foolish stuff here, man. You can throw, your, throw out here, you're going to die. Don't you see that storm? I'm telling you. The storm is not going to stop. The storm is from the Lord. And it only happened because I'm on this boat. So you be very careful who you have riding your boat. And, and they took Jonah. Watch this. Now here's the story. See, that's why I say you got to read it all yourself. It's so good. Jonah said, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm to you. I know for my sake. This great tempest is upon us. I don't even know why I was here. Y'all want the storm to stop? Throw me overboard. Now you see why they had to get rid of Christ, right? Nevertheless, the men rowed harder. We're not going to throw that man in that sea. They kept on rowing harder and harder, trying to get to the land, but they couldn't. They row one, God blew them back. They row again, God blew them back. They weren't get nowhere. The sea was rough. And were tempestuous against them. And then they cried out unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord. We beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life. He only want one guy. <laughs> lay, not, lay not innocent blood upon us. Upon us is innocent blood. Thou, O Lord, hast done as thou hast pleased. So they took Jonah up. Type of the crucifixion. So they took Jonah up. Cast him forth. Into the sea. And they cast them into the sea. And guess what? And the sea seized from her raising. One time I preached this and I asked the question. Do you have a Jonah in your house? Well, that, that, I moved. That was back then, okay. <laughs> then the men feared the Lord. Exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. Now watch the next part. Now the Lord... Had prepared a great fish. Now remember, you're looking at Old Testament fish, but he was a tomb in the new covenant. Somebody had already a tomb that was already ready, but nobody in it. The Bible calls a new tomb a great fish, and it swallowed up Jonah. They put Christ in the tomb. And Jonah was in the belly in the tomb three days and three nights. Everybody understand that now? All right, so that's why you have to know what it means. All right. Then Jonah prayed, showing you how to get out of the wheel's belly. Show you what happened when Christ was was even in the tomb. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord God, his God, out of the fifth belly. I don't know about y'all, but that's the best time to pray. Man, you can holler and nobody know what you're saying but you. But you're coming out. That's what you got to understand. And he was in this, the Bible says, He was in this whale's belly crying out and praying. Now he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Now he's in a whale's belly at the bottom of the sea. That's why David wrote the psalm, If I sin into hell, thou art there. And he said, I cried by reason of my afflictions unto the Lord, and he heard me. So don't make no difference where you are when you cry to God. He heard me out of the belly of hell. So I know who he was. Even I cried and thou hearest my voice for thou hast cast me into the deep and in the midst of the sea the floods come past me about all your billows and your ways pass over me then said I I am cast out of your sight but yet somebody ought to say yet will I he said look I know I'm down here and nobody know I'm here I'm cast into hell that's what Christ says when he was in hell when he was in the belly of hell Nobody knows where I am. Then he says, I'm cast out of your sight, Father. Yet when I look again toward thy holy temple, the waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The depths close me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. He talked, I'm going to show you. The wood bars are gates. Okay. Then you brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayers came unto thee into that holy temple. Now, let's look at this. Go to Psalm 24. So you have to know Things when they are written and when they are quoted. So in Psalm twenty-four, starts out as the earth is the Lord. Now remember I told you, you gotta always know the earth is Israel. Israel, the promised land, the children of Israel, that is always called the earth. They call the earth the world. All oh, that's the same thing. The earth is the Lord. So if I read this same verse, which I will. I'm going to read the same verse out of Psalm 50 and verse 12. Can we just switch and go from right back? Psalm 50 and verse 12. It won't say the earth, it's going to say the world. So that's how you know how to study King James. It'll say the same thing, but it'll use a different word. Psalm 50 and verse 12. Watch what God said. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Why? The world is mine. See, it just told you in Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's. See, the earth and the world, that's why the Bible said, for God so loved the world, he's talking about Israel, that he gave his only begotten son. God did not give us his son to the Gentile to be saved. That We were saved because Israel rejected salvation. And that salvation then came to the Gentile. We ate of the crumbs that fell from the master table. Praise the Lord. If I were hungry, I would not tell you the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Go back to Psalm 24 again. Psalm 24, 1, says the earth is the Lord. Can anybody understand how interchangeable? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. See, then he's going to say the world. See, that's what he's telling you. He's telling you the earth and the world are the same word. And they that dwell therein. Well, who dwelled in, in the earth? Israel. They the one dwelled in the earth. Okay. All right. All that belonged to God. Remember, because they were God's inheritance. So they belong to God. God created them. I gave it this morning in Psalm 43. He, Psalm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43 and verse 1. He created O Israel. He created Israel. He created Jacob. That was, Psalm 40, that was Isaiah 43 and 1. The earth is the Lord, the world, and the food of the earth for he has founded it upon the sea established it upon the floods who shall ascend into the hill of the lord now he's talking about who's going to ascend into the hill of the lord he's talking about into jerusalem into the holy of holies who's going to ascend into the hill of the lord who shall stand in his holy place can you see it now all right who shall ascend into the hill of the lord and who shall stand in his holy place he that hath clean hand this was the high priest He that had clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Watch what the high priest went to do. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. See, that's what the high priest went to do. He shall receive the blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of our salvation. So that's why if Christ did not rise from the dead, you could not have gotten righteousness. You could not have received the Holy Spirit because he is the only one who can receive God's blessing for your life. Then I want to, I want to show you in verse number uh, seven. Let's skip to verse seven because I want to show you when he was in hell, this is what he says. I read that to you other place. This is the gates of hell. When I say he went into hell, this is what I mean. Lift up your head. This is what I mean. Watch what we says. Lift up your head O ye gates. Remember I told you those bars were gates. And be ye ever lifted up your everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Remember Jesus when he died he went to hell for three days and three nights. So here he is soul I'm talking about. His soul had to go to hell because his soul was made an offering for sin. So now he, here's his soul. His body's in the tomb. His soul had to go. He gave his spirit back to the father because his soul had to do it alone. Okay, because Adam represents soul. And the soul that sin had to die, the ways of sin was death. Death happened to the soul and then to the body. Adam died spiritually. His soul was separated from God. And then, then Adam died physically. Okay, so here it is, the physical man, Jesus, in the tomb. Christ was given back to the Father. Father, into thy hand, I commend my spirit. Everybody remember that? All right, now here he is, he left alone. And you'll hear him cry. How many know what he says? Eloah, Eloah, Loma That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what the soul meant. See, it's the soul, it's the man that had to obey the Father. That's why I'm going to show you that he feared, he cried, he wept. First scripture I ever learned was John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Boy, I don't ever forget that one. I go to Sunday school in the morning time. I stand up in the choir. We had a choir. We were in the Sunday school class. And, and uh, they asked me, and says, Earl, what you learn this week? What your scripture you learned this week? I stood up and go like, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. I didn't think I was supposed to learn anymore. <laughs> I had that boy down pat, man. I realized that was the shortest scripture in the Bible. (laughs) Y'all try it (laughs) sometime. But I found out that he wept at Lazarus' tomb. Jesus wept. Oh, how he loved him. Jesus wept. And then he wept over Jerusalem. He stood on the hill. Looking over Jerusalem, because he knew Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. And the Bible said he wept. So it's an awesome thing. So yeah, he did weep. He feared. He prayed. I showed you this morning, he prayed like as it was as great drops of blood was coming from his face. His sweat was like great drops of blood. So it's not like he wanted to die. His soul filled. So I want to show you that part because this is when you say one man obedient. People just take, well, it was God. Yeah, it was God, but also Adam, the soul man, had to pay his own debt to God. The man that sinneth shall die. The wages of sin Is death. So he had to go to hell in our place. Here's here's what he says when he got there. Lift up your head, verse 20, verse 7. Psalm 24 and 7. Oh, ye gates and be, lift up your everlasting door, and the king of glory shall come in. I mean, the devil said, we got him now. We got him. You have a seat right over there. And and next he said, and they asked the question, "Who is this King of Glory?" The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. And then he gonna say it again. Lift up your head, O you gates! I guarantee they was in there like, "Don't open that gate." Lift up your head, O you gates! Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. And they ask the question again, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts is the king of glory, Selah. You've never seen him open the gate. Now if I study Samson, I know what happened. Samson took the gates and tore the whole thing off and took it to the top of the hill. So God didn't give me nothing on that one. I just remember Samson. But it's an awesome thing. Now you got to, they got to understand something. It could be once he returned. See this also could be used once Christ came back to Israel he had to come through the gate in Jerusalem. People don't think he returned. But if he did that's the verse he used. Okay let me move on. Now let's go to something because I, I got to show you something. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at chapter 2 first. And we're going to do this out the NLT. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. See, people don't realize when Christ did what he did, he did it as a man. Uh, let me show you one verse first, because i got to get to that one. And that's some, I, uh, Isaiah 53. I just want to do that one verse, because I, I said it several times. Uh, he made his soul an offering for sin. Isaiah 53. So you have to understand, that's why his soul had to go to hell for your soul. That's why your soul would never see death if you were in Christ. Isaiah 53 and verse number 10. Those two verses are the King James. Isaiah 53 verse 10 and verse 11. Okay, here we go. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. His soul, say his soul, was made an offering for sin. See, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't deal with sin no matter. You don't have anything to deal with sin. You can't wash nobody off with water and get rid of sin. Sin had sin within the soul of man. It was Adam that sinned. When Adam sinned, God said, The day you eat there, eat, eat, you shall surely die. So when he ate, he disobeyed God. And sin went into the soul. The curse of sin, let me put it that way, went into the soul. And the only way that curse of sin would come out, Christ had to come down the cross for us, become a curse for us, so he can remove the curse out of us. That's the only difference between you and a person not saved. The person I say still got sin in their heart. See, that's why you read Psalm 51. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. Sin must come out of the heart. It's like pulling over tooth. <coughs> Only the blood of Christ can wash sin out of your heart. That's Hebrew 9:14. Uh, let's read that. What you, whatever you have up there, let me do that first. Psalm 51 and verse number t- 10, "Create me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me." Now that happened when you're born of the spirit. When you're born of the spirit, conscience is the word. Uh, look at s- s- Hebrew 9:14. See, God got to take sin out your conscience. Uh, the conscience is the heart. Sin lives in the heart. That's why faith, faith, once you take sin out the heart, God put faith in the heart. God puts love in the heart. See, that's why he said, oh, come covenant open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. He's talking about the heart. That's why he put the Holy Spirit in the heart. So you can believe God. That's why the Bible says you believe God with your, with your heart. Without faith in you, you can't believe God. That's why God gave you faith. You ever hear me pray, I always say thank you, Lord, for your faith. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the manifestation of the spirit. Because those are the things God gave you. He gave you his faith. He gave you his love. He gave you his grace. He gave you the manifestation of the spirit so you can profit. And until then, you can't do nothing. You can't work with God. God can't do nothing in you. You don't have the faith for God to work in you. Love is God working in you. Both the will and the do of his good pleasure. He can't work in you if you don't have faith. Faith working by love. So you just can't just expect this to happen. You got to know this, this is going on in you. And the way you know is, when you pray for somebody, do you see anything happen? When you pray for somebody, you don't see nothing happen, you know God ain't working in you. I had a young lady come in my office today. I don't know if she's here right now. Came off of the day. She says, Pastor, I'm hurting all of them. I said, well, just sit down right there, girl. I laid my hands on, it. had a girl yesterday from choir rehearsal. What am I choir? What you at? Wave your hand head over there. She told me yesterday, she said, I don't know if I'm gonna sing today, Pastor Man. I'm gonna tell you. I said, sit down right in the chair. Laid my hands on it. she go, ooh, 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 Start walking around, came on out the choir rehearsal. Back here this morning. I'm in the Lord good? Sure. Yeah. See, that's how you know. That's how you know when you're out of your league. You don't have that measure. See, the gifts of God is given in measure, and you have to know when you don't have something. It's just like me getting up there trying to sing. It won't take. It won't, ta- Bob. It won't take. Look, it won't take one minute. You know what you would say, Crump? Come on down. Cause you know that ain't me. Cause you heard me saying You ever heard me sing? You gonna call me down, sister. Huh? I call you a barber, I'm calling her I'm talking to her this is a little sister. There. I call listen, you going to call me now. Come on now. That's not your calling. Don't take long. You know when you hear it. But when it comes down for this right here, I'm in mine. I'm in mine. Because this is what I do. My wife will tell you. This is what I do every day of the week. And half of the night sometimes. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. This is what I'm saying. When you're going to do this, you must commit yourself to this. Dedicate yourself to this. The Holy Spirit got to be in you and you got to know it. And if you don't know it, you would not be able to handle the spirits that comes around you. And the only reason I don't have no problem, I'd be like David, though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death I will feel no evil because I know this that thou art with me and in me so that's what that's what keeps me all right here we go I got nine minutes I gotta go now what I was reading <laughs> Hebrew, we read now Hebrew 914 we're gonna read this also at the NLT or then you got it up there no 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 you gotta leave it don't don't change it how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit do what? He, he offered himself with our spot to God. That's the only way you got saved. He had to, all, one man, he offered himself with our spot to God, with our sin to God. He purged our conscience, our heart, with dead, from dead works. He purged our heart from dead works so we can serve the living God. If God didn't wash your heart, you can't serve God. How do you serve God? Believing. You can't believe God if God he cleans your heart. That's why the Psalms say created me, O Lord, with a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. All right, I got too much to go. I got, I got so much I got. Did that give you anything else? All right. Let's move, let's move on. I got my brother Dan in the house there so I can't be messing around. Lift up your head or your gaze. Let's, I, let, I gave you Philippians eight. This morning, one verse. Let's go to it. Then I'm going back to Hebrews. I'm going now to Hebrew chapter five, five through nine. Did I read Hebrew chapter two already? No. I didn't even read it, did it? I, I got to go back. Let's do. Let's do Phil- Philippians two eight. Just one verse out right, of King James. Then we're gonna go to Hebrew, and then we're gonna read that out of the NLT chapter two. We're gonna go back to Hebrew chapter two. And we're going to do Hebrew chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 14 through 18. All right, watch this. Being found and fast as a man, he armored himself and became obedient. Listen, he found himself in a fleshly body. God discovered that he was in a fleshly body, and then he armored himself. When he found out in the Word who he was, then he humbled himself. Now that's an awesome thing. And in the Word, it's going to show he has to die on the cross. Now he began to tell other folks what's going to happen to him. He feared, he cried, tears ran of his, like great drops of blood in prayer. But yet when he finished, He said, Thou will be done. He came to do the Father's will. And that saved mankind. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's where his obedience took us. When he got on that cross, he did not get on that cross because he just felt like it. I got a feeling. No, no. Look at the Gospel of St. John. We're going to get to Hebrew just a moment. Look at the Gospel of St. John. Let me show you a couple. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, verse 13. We're going to to take it real quick here. We're going to do it out of King James because I got to to move here. John chapter 15, and verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life I said he laid it down. He had to do it willingly. He was a sacrifice. He was an a offering and a sacrifice. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. He had to be both. He had to be a burnt offering and he had to be a sin offering. A burnt offering told you in Ephesians 1 and 6. Just write them down. I'm not going to be able to go to them. Ephesians 1 and 6, a burnt offering made you acceptable under God. When Christ died on the cross, he died, number one, is a burnt offering. The fire of God's wrath fell on him. It's a burnt offering. But he made us, Ephesians 1 and 6, that burnt offering made us acceptable in the beloved. God has already accepted you. You don't have to impress God. If you got Christ in you, that's enough. He has accepted you in the beloved, in Christ. So everything else you're doing trying to impress God is religion. You only accept it in Christ. And then verse number 7, he has already forgiven you, Ephesians 1, 7. That's the sin offering. Ephesians 5 and 2 says there are two offerings, the burnt offering and the sin offering. And that's accepted you in Christ, Ephesians 1 and 6. And also Ephesians 1 and 7, he has already forgiven you. No need you run around here. Oh, just messed up. He already knew he, you messed up. That's why he forgave you. God's forgiveness is not just past tense. God's forgiveness is present tense, past tense, future tense. <laughs> Don't let nobody lie to you. God didn't forgive you just one time. How often shall I forgive? To seven times seven? To no, I meant seventy times seven. If you go back and look, that's 490 years. And you go all the way back to the time they was in Babylon, that's what God says. Forgiveness will be for real in 490 years. You won't have to come with no bulls, no ram, no goat, no sheep, no turtle dove. No more in 490 years. That's why that's already happened. So when you read the book of Daniel 9.24 I'm giving you the scripture. Put it on the screen. We'll you got to play with them. Look at Daniel 9 24. He made an end of sin. I don't know why people are still trying to get you guilty of sin. I got to wash you in water. I got I to wash where you're Man, listen sin was dealt with once and for all at the cross. What people don't know is the works of the flesh. The Bible never told you adultery was sin, He said the works of the flesh. You need to read Galatians chapter five, and it'll tell you you got the works of the flesh, which are manifest, which are these. Then you name all the stuff you call sin. That's the work of the flesh. You need to get the spirit in you so you can stop your flesh from working. Amen. My flesh used to work, used to work all day. <laughs> Don't work no more. Seven weeks. Watch this. 70 weeks. Seventy times seven. Four hundred ninety. 490 weeks, 490 years are determined upon your people, Daniel, and upon the holy city to finish the transgression. He's already finished it. To make an end of sins, I say he already made an end of sins on the cross. To make reconciliation. What is reconciliation when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19? He reconciled man. What does that mean? He put you back in grace. He restored you to favor. He reconciled you. He restored you. He has already put you back where you fell from. Stop letting people put you in a guilty box. He's already made reconciliation for your iniquity. He brought in, watch this, everlasting righteousness. Your righteousness is not just for a moment. Your righteousness is everlasting righteousness. To seal up prophecy and yet people still trying to prophesy. That's what people like. They go to the church where I can see that I hear the Lord saying. Yeah, go ahead I don't see him saying. Prophecy ended with John the Baptist, Luke 16, 16. People are not prophesying for you no more. I got the word. You don't have to prophesy to me no more. I got the word. I got the reveal word. I got the truth. Yeah. But that's what people want. Again, I hear oh wow, oh I hear the Lord saying. Okay, prophet. I hear them saying too, right here. <laughs> Already written, but see, people fall for this stuff because they want a hot word. They got somebody. I need somebody who got. A, we got a hot word over here. Got what? <laughs> all kind of stuff to sell it. They sell it. They selling stuff. You can tell when folks selling stuff. Always got it's hot. It's right now. It's right the all this stuff. All right. Let's. Man, my time is... Let's go to Hebrew. Hebrew chapter 5. Oh, my God. NLT. Hebrew 5. I never did 2, did it? Oh, my God. Hebrew, two, Hebrew 5, 7. I do 1. Hebrew 5, 7. Then I do Hebrew 2, 14 through 18. I'm done. Hebrew 5, 7. We do not the NLT. See the word just never finished. I just give you what I give you, and I, you know. Hebrew 5 7. Are you there? In the NLT. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings to God with a loud cry and tears, tears, to the one that could rescue him from death and god heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for god even though jesus was god's son he learned obedience from the things he suffered one man obedience in this way god qualified him as a perfect high priest he became the source of eternal salvation don't nobody tell you about no water baptism he became the source of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. Well, how can I obey Him? Believe! Amen. Only qualification for you today is believe. Let's go to Hebrew chapter 2, verse 14. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hebrew two, 2 and verse number 14 out of the NLT. Because God children are human, I'm gonna show you why Christ came in the flesh. Hebrew 2 and verse 14 out of the NLT. Here we go. Because God's children are human. Human being, he says, made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. That's why he became a flesh. Because only as a human being could he die. Only by dying, watch this, could he break the power of the devil. Watch this. Who had the power of death. You don't have it no more Amen. how why I know that because there's no law Amen. you got to understand you could if you look at the order God gave it in God gave Adam the law and from the law once they break it sin came and then after sin came death came take away the law sin had no power Amen. that's why Christ fulfilled the law when he fulfilled the law he broke the power of death. Death has no more power over you. you never, that's why you've never been under the law. You let folk put you under the law. You tell me something. Whatever you want to say, Reverend, I, I, I hear the Lord saying, uh, and this thing come on up. Watch this. For by grace, yes, by God's grace, Jesus tastes death for everyone. I'm, re- I'm reading, uh, I'm re- let, let's, go, let's go back to uh, verse 9, I'm sorry. We're in Hebrews 2, 9. I'm going to read one verse, then we're to close out. Hebrews 2, 9. We're in the NLT. Are you there? Hebrews 2 and 9. What, what, do, you, what do we see? What? We, we see Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angel, and became a suffering for death for us. He is now crowned. He is now. Are we going to crown him? You ain't going to crown Jesus. He is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, God's grace. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. You don't ever have to taste death again. You're never going to see it. Never going to see hell. Never going to see the devil. Never going to taste death. And people do not realize what it means to taste death. If you ever watch somebody die, you'll know. I watch people stand up. I watch people absolutely just sit up in the bed. Huh? Mm. I'm like, huh? What was that? Thank God I was saved, because I'd have ran out of there. <laughs> but you never have to really worry about it. You've seen people when they die, in the Lord. They just close their eyes. Abraham just got up in the bed, closed his eyes, says, Okay. I'm gone. Mm. Moses went up on the mountain, closed his eyes. Mm. It's an awesome thing when death walk in the room. Huh? Mm. My time is gone. Let me give me First Corinthians. Get the Lord a big hand. You don't understand death is an angel. Death is an angel. You never got to worry about him coming to your house. Never got to worry about him. Never got to worry about it ever coming to your house. When God gets ready for you, he knows where you're at. And you'll never have to worry about death taking you out of here. Come on, get up on your feet. You got to understand something, brother. God got angels with you every day of the week. You are a child of the living God. You never got to be worried about no deaf angels and all this stuff. God is with you. He's in you. He's for you. He's always by yourself don't have to be worried and fearful when you in Christ you got everything in need. first Corinthians chapter 15 get Lord on the big head Moreover, brethren I declare to you the gospel which I preached unto you which also you have received and where you stand by which also you are saved somebody say I'm saved yeah if you keep in memory what I preached to you unless you believe in vain what do you preach Paul I deliver you first of all that which also I received how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. He was seen of Cephas. He was seen of above 500 brothers at once. He was seen of James, and Paul said he was seen of me as one born out of due time. I saw him. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Let him into your heart right now. Hey, my time is gone. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you.